Good morning. It is great to see you guys here today. If you're one of our teachers, educators, coaches, we are so glad that you're here today. Can we give all those educators a round of applause this morning as we kick off here in Maryville and in Knoxville? Last Sunday, I was able to go to our Knoxville location, and man, I'm so, so excited about what God is doing there. Uh, God's growing that location. The second, uh, it was a first service, actually, was almost 80% full, so man, uh, God is growing in numbers. Uh, They were baptizing people last Sunday, which was awesome. Uh, They were able to host a couple of weeks ago, the the Bearden High School football team came and used our facility, so that was awesome uh, to be able to bless them, and uh, just incredible stuff. This past Wednesday, our student ministry kicked off there, so God is just blessing. If you've been giving uh, sacrificially, if you have been serving in that area to, to help us launch that, God is blessing, and God has used your gifts in an incredible way. It's really cool to be able to start something that's going to outlive all of us. And so I'm excited about that this Saturday. Men, hope you'll join me uh, at our men's breakfast as we talk about biblical manhood. It's going to be a great morning. And uh, today we want to close out our series on prayer. And uh, we have one more week to continue the 21-day devotion. If you haven't looked at that, look at our app. You can go online and find that. And would encourage you to continue to build that habit in your life, a, a time and a place to meet with God. Uh, that devotion and those prayers will help you in that journey. I was reading a story uh, about a father who was teaching his daughter how to pray. And he was reading a Bible story and then praying with her and And then he was asking her to pray eventually. And so she started praying and she started ending her prayers in this way. She would close out her prayers and say, and suddenly we pray, amen. And the dad thought, hmm, that's interesting. Not really sure why she was doing that, but uh, she continued to, to do that day after day as they finished. And suddenly we pray, amen. So he finally asked her, he said, honey, why do you end your prayers with this phrase? And suddenly we pray, amen. And she looked at him and said, well, that's what you do. And he said, no, honey, I'm saying in the son's name we pray, amen. And I laughed at that because the, the truth is, this, it's like we all have to learn how to pray. We all, from a young age, learn to pray and we're all learning to pray no matter if you have a... a, a you know, of a vibrant prayer life, there are things to learn, right? If you haven't been someone who is a consistent uh, person in prayer, uh, we have to learn, right? And so I hope this series, we've given you some practical uh, steps and some models for you to use as you pray. Week one, we talked about the ACTS model, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Last Sunday, Pastor Alex did a great job here in Maryville with the Lord's Prayer, giving us that model. And Today, I want to close with another model that I think is important, but throughout our entire series, we've been saying pray first. And so I hope that that phrase, those two words, just become ingrained in your mind and, and, and just in who you are, that, that as a couple, when you start to get kind of that heated, intense fellowship, aka an argument, one of you would say, you know what, let's pray first. Before you take your kids to school, you're in the car, or even before you get into the car, pray first. Before you go into the meeting, pray first. Before you start your day, pray first. Before you start getting anxious about something, pray first. Before you let your emotions run away in anger, pray first. Like everything we get in this habit of just praying first. Before we eat, pray first. Before we go to bed, pray first. And when we begin to do that and build that habit into our life, God honors those prayers. God begins to change your life. 
If this has been a series that you've really connected with, you want to continue your growth in prayer, uh, one of my uh, mentors, Chris Hodges, wrote a book called Pray First. And so you can get that book and, and enjoy that. I know I have, and, and uh, it's been a blessing to me. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's go to First Chronicles chapter 4. Yes, I said that correctly. First Chronicles chapter 4. You're like, oh, great. Are we going to read a genealogy today? Uh, if you've ever tried to read the book of Chronicles, uh, you know uh, that's a challenging book to kind of read all the way through because there's a lot of so-and-so begat so-and-so and the lineage of David and this name and that name that's hard to pronounce. And throughout this book, you continue to see these names upon names upon names. And then in, in chapter 4, there, there, there are two verses that just kind of stand out. Uh, they are two verses that are from a man named Jabez that prays this prayer. It's, it's two verses, two sentences essentially, and God honors his prayer. Now, maybe you've heard of the prayer of Jabez. And in the early 2000s, there was actually a book called The Prayer of Jabez, and it became really popular and sold millions of copies. And it seemed like every church, pastors were preaching the prayer of Jabez. And it was a good thing, but at some point, it kind of began to kind of creep into a uh, a little kind of wish listy kind of prayer. It uh, almost became a prosperity gospel type uh, message that we began to hear. And so it kind of gets a bad rap today when you talk about it or, or if you were to go home and, and, and Google it. And, and uh, what I wanted to do is to make sure that we understand this from a biblical perspective. If you've not heard of prosperity gospel, essentially it's when someone teaches that if you sow a seed of money, and give X amount of dollars, then God is going to grant you your wish or grant you whatever you're praying for. And so that is not biblical. It is not uh, what we see in the scripture. And, and, and so we come to a prayer like this where Jabez is essentially asking God to bless him. And so how do we interpret this? What, what are we to do with this? I think it's important. So a prayer that I've prayed for the last 20 years, God has answered that prayer in so many ways. And so I want us to understand it biblically and I want, us to, I want to offer it to you today as a way that, that would guide your prayer life and take it to the next level. And so let's read it together in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. We'll start in verse 9. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me. And that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Very simple prayer, uh, short prayer, uh, but a very powerful prayer. In verse 9, it says that his mother named him Jabez. And, and the name Jabez in Hebrew literally means pain or will cause or causes pain. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was naming my children with my wife, our biggest concern was like, let's not name our kids a name that other kids are going to rhyme with something inappropriate and make fun of them, right? That's kind of one of our hopes. But Jabez was named Pain. Imagine getting made fun of in the schoolyard uh, when, when he was a kid. And some of you are like, well, I think I have a son or a daughter that I could have named Pain, because they brought me much pain and anguish. And so this is kind of a name that he has. And, and uh, back then, it really kind of set the course for people's lives. Uh, uh, the, the name was a lot more uh, intricate with who the person was than it is today. But 
Even though his name was pain, he never talked about his pain. I think it's important to realize that God redirected his life. In other words, God took the focus off of the pain uh, that he caused or that he brought into his family and focused it on himself. God redirected that pain. And and I would say this, there's probably some people in the room who need that adjustment mentally, uh, physically, socially, spiritually speaking today. God needs to redirect your focus from the past, from shame, from guilt, from mistakes and, and, and instead of focusing on that pain and that crisis that is in your life, that you would begin to refocus your attention upon God. I think it's important that we get that perspective change. You know, in life, problems don't go away. They just get bigger or smaller. Have you noticed that? They never go away because we live in a broken world. And as soon as you get through one problem, it seems like there's another problem that comes down the road. And And so we are consistently experiencing problems in our life, but you'll notice that when your perspective changes and your focus is upon the Lord, then those problems get smaller. We always have them. They either get larger or smaller. And so my hope and prayer is that you would begin to allow God to redirect your attention today, that your perspective would begin to change. And like Jabez, not focus on the pain and the past, but realize that there is purpose behind the pain that is in your life. If you read the Bible, you see over and over again, men of God, women of God face problems. If you're someone who thinks that, well, if you give your life to Jesus, then everything is gonna be great. Everything is gonna work out just wonderful. Uh, You're not understanding the Christian life. Because God never promises that we're going to have a pain-free, struggle-free life. In fact, when we follow Jesus, we're, we're always going to struggle in some areas and experience the spiritual warfare in our life. Because the enemy is a real enemy that wants to take you out and take out your future and redirect your mind upon pain. And God wants to replace those lies that we believe with his truth. And so... Uh, For instance, in the book of Acts, we see the life of Paul very clearly. We see that he is constantly going through struggles and and, and suffering in his life. Uh, It says that he was stoned at one point. Now, I know we have people from California, so not stoned, like literally stoned, like rocks, right? Just kidding. But but literally, they tried to kill him with stones, and uh, he was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. He was beaten he was thrown into prison like this guy went through struggle after struggle after struggle and yet he would write things that would blow us away God would teach us through the life of Paul not to focus on the things that are seen but to look to the things that are unseen in fact I want to read this uh, verse in 2nd Corinthians uh, verse uh, 8 of chapter 4 where Paul says we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed. In other words, in our life, we're gonna feel the pressure from all angles of our life. We're gonna feel the pressure at work. We're gonna feel the pressure at home. We're gonna feel the pressure to you know, become who God wants us to be. We're gonna feel pressure in our life, but we're not gonna be crushed because the Holy Spirit lives within us. We're gonna be perplexed at times, but we're not gonna be in despair. In other words, we're gonna struggle because we don't know why these things are happening. We don't understand why uh, there is loss and there is suffering and, and, and there are reasons beyond our understanding. And so we're going to be confused 
from time to time in our life, but he says you're not going to be in despair because your hope is in the gospel. He says you're going to feel persecution, but remember that you're not abandoned. We live in a culture that will continually persecute you for your faith and for your beliefs, right? You're going to feel the persecution, but you're not abandoned. The Holy Spirit is with you. You're going to get struck down from time to time. You're going to feel that in life, and you're not going to get maybe the promotion at work, and it's going to pass you over. You're going to feel struck down, but you're not going to be destroyed because God is still working in you. He's not finished. He goes on to say, therefore, because we have a lot to be hopeful for, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We're getting older. We, we feel the pain and the aches and culture is slipping further and further away from a gospel-centered mentality. So outwardly it looks like things are wasting away, but inwardly we are growing. We're being renewed. Why? Because we pray first. We're in the Word every day. We're talking to God every day. He's renewing us internally in our spirit for our light and momentary troubles. It's just for a moment. These troubles are achieving for us, though, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. <clears throat> so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what's, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. These are momentary problems that you and I are facing. But as we respond to the problems in our life faithfully, we're faithful to God. We don't, we don't deny him, but we live for him and we struggle through them, keeping our eyes on him. When you do that, you are reaping eternal rewards. Don't forget that. Get your mind on what is unseen, your future in heaven, your future rewards, because the struggles that you go through today are not in vain. They make you stronger. They deepen your prayer life. They deepen your faith. And as that grows, you are you, you are storing up for yourself rewards in heaven. There is purpose in your pain. Setbacks in life can be used by God as a setup for your future blessings. And when we read the Bible, we see that God allows suffering to come into our life to develop us, to grow us, to deepen our faith. A.W. Tozer once said, it is doubtful whether God can use a man greatly until he has first hurt him significantly. Now, we don't like to think of God bringing suffering into our life because, again, we think, oh, everything's got to be perfect and great. And the only time God is blessing us is when things are great. But I agree. I, I, I think that God has to bring us through some painful moments for us to be used by God in a greater way. That faith deepens. God has purpose behind our pain. Even though Jabez was named pain, he doesn't allow that label to determine his legacy. Just like in your life, you can't allow the pain in your life, the mistakes in your past to label your future or your legacy. You, you and I move forward through these, recognizing that God redeems and restores. He's in the business of restoring and reconciling and correcting what was once broken in our life and giving us purpose to move forward. Jabez calls out to the God of Israel. In the first verses, it says that he cries out to the God of Israel. And so just like uh, the prayer that Jesus prays as our uh, model prayer that we talked about last week, we start with the person, our Father in heaven, 
This is the God of Israel who sent his son into the world. His name is Jesus to live a perfect life. And because he lived the perfect life, he was the perfect and only sacrifice that when crucified on the cross could pay for my sin and your sin. God sees his sacrifice and says, I I accept that. And so when we, by faith, receive Jesus into our life and and confess our sin to him and, and give our life to him, he saves us. The Holy Spirit comes into our life. Jesus died on that cross, but he rose on the third day, proving that he was the Messiah proving that he had victory and, and, and has the power over sin and death. We sang the hymn of heaven a few moments ago, promising us that we will have heaven because of our faith in Jesus. Some of you maybe have never given your life to Jesus. That's the first step to experience forgiveness and to experience a relationship with God. See, this is the same God that Jabez prays to. It's the same God that you and I pray to today. So let's go through this outline of what he brings to God. And he starts with asking for God's blessing. Oh, that you would bless me. And so I want to encourage you to pray for God's blessing. Pray for God to bless you. You you might say, I don't know, should I be praying for that? 100% yes. Jabez does. We see in other places where David in the Psalms is crying out for God's blessing in his life. Yes, we should pray for God's blessing. Now, the word blessed is kind of a trendy word today, whether, you know, for non-Christians or, you know, Christians alike on social media, it's like, I got a raise, hashtag blessed, or blessed to receive a scholarship, or, you know, take a, you know, picture of our family. It's like, blessed, and so have a blessed day, and All of these comments, it's kind of a a word that gets used and thrown around today, but what does it really mean to be blessed? I think it could be boiled down to just realizing that the blessing of God is his favor, his mercy, his goodness. There are physical blessings like, yes, health. There are material blessings like financial blessings. There are also uh, spiritual blessings like deeper faith and, and righteousness. God blesses us through suffering, which we don't like to hear, but suffering and pain in our life is also evidence of God's blessing because it brings us closer to him. Listen, if everything is perfect and hunky-dory all the time, then we would not look to God. We would not feel a desire to, to depend upon him. It is when we are broken that we finally look to him as our savior. And so, yes, suffering can be a blessing For those of you in the midst of a painful time, know that in the midst of those painful events, you have an opportunity to experience God's richest blessings. Because it's through that suffering that your prayer can be deepened. It's through that suffering that your your pursuit of holiness grows deeper. You see, suffering blesses us in richer ways than prosperity ever could. And so embrace the season that you are in today, trusting that God is is blessing you and giving you something that you do not have yet. Jabez is asking for the blessing of God. And when God does answer that, when God's blessing comes into your life and, and you recognize it, you'll recognize that his blessing really provides more than you need. 
When it's a, a financial blessing, you realize that, wow, we really have more than we need. And, and when it's a spiritual blessing, you, you realize, wow, my faith has grown and, 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 and there's a deeper walk with God. No matter what blessing God pours out, realize that he's not blessing you just for your selfish gain or to make your you know, retirement fund grow. He's blessing you to be a blessing to other people. So when you go through the fire, so to speak, and you come out on the other side with a deeper faith, you should share your story. Give your story to someone to encourage them, to bless them, to help them in their walk. When it's a financial blessing, it's not just for, for a bigger savings account. It's to bless God's church and to bless the making of disciples in the world and in our community. God will bless you with more than you need so that you have something to give away. Jabez says, oh, that you would bless me. But secondly, he prays for influence. And so the text says, enlarge my borders, or some translations say territory. And so at this time, when your land grew, your influence grew. And so I think essentially, Jabez is praying for more influence. He's asking God to give him more influence so that he can, he can have a bigger impact for God's kingdom. He's asking for influence and responsibility and opportunity then to, to make a mark for God. And so I think it's a good and right thing that we ask God to expand our influence and, and, and God would use our desire here to, to expand for his glory. You see, that inner desire to, to expand is, is really a God-given desire. In Genesis 1, God tells us to go forth and multiply and subdue the earth. And so he wants us to expand. He wants us to multiply. Jesus tells us to go and make disciples in Matthew 28, enlarging our border, enlarging our influence with the gospel and in growing his church. I love what the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. It's the same mentality. He says, our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. He's hoping and praying that his influence would grow and be enlarged. Why? So that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. You see the tie there. The blessing of God comes. We ask for him to expand our influence. We ask him to bless our businesses, to bless our families, to grow our families, to grow our business, to grow you financially. I think that is absolutely a prayer that you should pray. And when he does bless and when he does expand, again, we recognize it's not just so that our savings account grows. It's so that the, the gospel can be preached and, and our influence can, can be felt in our churches and, and in our communities that, that we would be able to do bigger and greater things for God's church. And so I hope and pray that you see the connection here. I think that sometimes we get so focused on like, well, I'm a businessman or I'm a businesswoman and this is my deal. And then Sunday's like this different compartment of who we are. Sundays I go to church and I do the spiritual thing, but then on Monday through Saturday, I'm kind of this person. And it's like, no, you have been gifted and you are a whole person. You're, you don't want to compartmentalize your life. And so some of you have the gift of making money. You have the gift of growing businesses. And, and so I want you to look at things that are unseen, right? Not just what is seen, not just, oh man, I'm taking care of my family and my kids and this and that. What, what if some of our, 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 our people could, could connect you and, 
And like this businessman and this businesswoman, and you guys are able to make money in this area. What if you got together and you said, hey, like God is blessing us. We have more than we need, but we have this gift. What if we got together and we started a side gig and the whole purpose of creating this business was to give everything away to God's church? We have what we need from this job, but we could, we could do this business deal together and for the glory of God, we could do this and give it away and bless God's kingdom and grow God's kingdom. I want you to think bigger. Your life is not about you. I want you to think about it in terms of gospel impact. In order to preach the gospel to people who have not heard, it's why we plant churches. I've asked and had our staff and myself pray that God would, would, would grow our influence. And over the last 20 years of my life, I've seen him bless that prayer. He's given me influence today that I never dreamed I, I could have. And, and, and I made a commitment to God years ago that, that God, if you were to bless our church and get us into a, a, an opportunity to where we could plant other churches. I'm not going to be stingy with what you've done here, what you've taught me, uh, how you have worked. We're, we will plant another church, God, if you, if you would bless us in this way. And, and so he has, and we are, and we don't want to stop with Knoxville. Oh, that you would enlarge our territory, um, make our influence bigger, not just for self-proclamation, but we do this so that we can actually impact others with the gospel. I want you to pray that prayer. Number three, we see that he actually prays for God's presence so that your hand might be with me. And so we pray for God's presence in our life. Now look, when you ask for God's blessing and, and uh, he gives it, and when you ask for more influence and he gives it, you're going to feel like you're out, of, uh, you're out of your league. You know, um, you're going to feel like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know that I can pull this off. And so we've got to pray for God's presence to continually speak to us and, and continue to grow us. And so have you ever attempted something and it's pretty much guaranteed to fail unless God steps in? Has anybody ever done that? Has anybody ever feel like they have done that? A few hands in Knoxville, maybe a few hands. Let, let me put it to you in a different way. How many of you are married? You attempted something impossible unless God steps in. How many of you have children? You have attempted something impossible unless God steps in. You see, some of you are taking steps of faith. You didn't even know it. God's going to call some of you to start businesses and He's going to call some of you to change occupations and he's going to call some of you to do things that, that you never dreamed you would ever do. But if you pray this prayer, you're going to get into that seat and you're going to go, wow, this doesn't make sense, God. Everybody looks at this and says, I don't think that's, you know, how, how are you going to pay for it? And how, how is it going to work out? And do you really know what you're doing with all this? And you're going to say, I don't know. On paper, it doesn't look right. However, I feel like God is calling me to do it, and I need his presence. And when his presence is there, when his blessing is there, you'll see that God moves mountains. Some of you are like Moses, and, and uh, I love the story that we just went through. But I'll remind you of Exodus 33 when, when he is leading the people out of Egypt, and he makes this comment. He says, I'll do it, Lord, but only if your presence goes before me, only if your presence is with me. And it's like, uh, when we started this church, that was the prayer. And when we start Knoxville, that was the prayer. And every, every decision in between that is like, God, we'll go and do 
what you want, but only if your presence is with us. And some of you just need to use that language when you're, when you're praying. Like, God, I'll, I'll do it. I'll go. But only if you're with me. God, I love it. Here's the fourth part of the prayer. He prays for protection. And so he says that you would keep me from harm. Or that word can also be translated as evil. So God, keep me from evil. So we're, we're praying for God's protection from the evil one, just like Jesus prayed in the model prayer, deliver us from evil. And so we're asking God to give us victory over temptation. We're asking God to give us victory and deliverance over lies that we believe. We're asking God to protect our kids and their minds and, and uh, all the different things and images that they're seeing and getting bombarded with on social media. You know, we protect them as best we can as parents, but we also pray for them that they, they wouldn't believe the lies of this culture. We pray for deliverance over thoughtful or evil habits that we might have accepted into our life. You see, God honors this prayer. He'll hear this prayer. He'll give you deliverance over this situation, whatever it might be. The Bible says that the enemy is like a lion seeking someone to devour. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your future. The enemy wants you to be distracted. He doesn't want you to trust God. He wants your perspective to be on the problem, not on your future. He wants your mentality and your focus to be on the details of how bad things are in this situation instead of trusting that God is in control. And it's time for a redirection. The enemy doesn't even want you to attempt anything for God's glory. He doesn't want you to attempt small group because he knows you'll grow. He doesn't want you to attempt serving in a ministry in church. He wants you to think that you're so busy you can't. Why? Because he doesn't want you to receive the blessing of what it feels like to actually serve God's church. You see, he's trying to do everything he can to prevent you from doing what God wants you to do. So we pray for deliverance. We, deliverance over temptation, deliverance over uh, harmful thoughts. The devil wants you to focus on your pain, your problem. He wants your attention on comfort and ease. And he doesn't want you to focus on God. But when we look at the life of Jabez, the guy who causes pain, he doesn't talk about his pain. He doesn't let his pain dictate his future. He doesn't focus on his pain at all. He focused on God. Verse 10 says that God granted what he asked. God granted, God honored, God listened. We don't know how he gave it to him. We don't know what exactly happened, but we know the words from this prayer were answered by God. So should you pray this? I think you should. I think it would be a great prayer life to begin this. And you would just simply say, God, pray for your blessing. God, I, I pray for, your, for more influence, enlarge my influence. God, I pray for your presence in my life. I pray, God, for your protection and if you begin to do this and this becomes a habit in your life, I believe God will hear it. And in ways we won't even realize or understand right now, he'll begin to answer that prayer. Use it as a model prayer. Use some of the other teachings from the last two weeks to encourage and influence your prayer life. Whatever it is you're facing, pray first. Pray first, pray first, pray first. Let's let this be a mantra for us. Let, let's let this really become part of our DNA as a church, that that is our mentality when someone is sharing, hey, have you prayed first? Let's pray together. 
Let's put God as our primary focus, not our problem, not all the crazy things that could or might happen. Let's pray first and let's trust him and let's walk through this together. See, I think God will honor it. Every week we've had a focused prayer in this series and today we've invited all of our educators in, in town to come because we wanted to pray this prayer over you. We wanted to pray God's blessing on you because you are, you're on the front lines and as someone who is walking into dark places, spiritually speaking, every day, the battle is, is right before you. And you see the evidence of the enemy's work and all of these families across the community. And you're tempted to quit. You're tempted to get frustrated. I'm, I, I, don't, I can't imagine all the things that you're, you struggle with from a, from a school year. But we want to pray that you be strengthened. We want to pray that you have wisdom. We want to pray that you feel encouraged because we need you on those front lines. Our, our next generation needs you. You might be the only person in their life planting gospel seeds into their heart and into their life. I want to encourage you to pray first at school. Before class starts, pray first. Before the game, if you're a coach, pray first. After the game, before everybody leaves, pray first. You know that there's a case where a coach prayed at the end of the game and uh, they, they, they got all mad at him and fired him. He lost his job, went all the way up to the Supreme Court. You've heard about this, you've read about this. And um, they ruled in favor of the coach. If you wanna pray, you have a right to do that. Some people feel like, oh, I don't wanna offend anybody with my prayer. Well, that's, I feel like that's a cop out. No, nobody's afraid to offend you with all the garbage that they're feeding you and your kids. Why, would, why are we so timid? We're, we're talking about a simple conversation with God. You can do this. You know, you, you can do this. They, they, they've tried to take prayer out of the schools, but they can't take prayer out of the schools as long as there's Christians there who are praying. And so put pressure on your school administration to pray before graduation, to pray before functions, right? Be, be, that, be that salt on your campus to, to, to try to uh, push that back into the culture of your school. You need it. Your, your school needs it. Um, my kids went to a public school that prayed at graduation, that prayed after every game, prayed before games. There's prayer all over the place. It's a public school. So it's really our choice, I think, as leaders in a lot of ways. And um, I want to encourage you to, to be bold as we start this new school year. So let me ask you to stand to your feet and Pastor Taylor in Knoxville can take over now. And I'm gonna ask all of our educators, if you will, just to come forward here at the front as we pray a prayer blessing over you. If you're new or maybe this is the first time you've been here, you might say, oh man, it's a little weird to get in front of people. And it's like, maybe, but don't let that stop you. Um, we've got coaches, we've got people in in the offices, administration, we've got teachers in the classroom. You might be a preschool teacher, middle high school, elementary. You might be in college, uh, profession, teaching, whatever it is. You might be a coach. We're going to ask God's blessing upon you. And as I pray over them, let me get some of our leaders uh, just to come over some of these folks and put a hand on their shoulder and pray over them as, as we um, and I pray over them now together. Thank you guys for what you do, by the way. I know it's 
I know it's challenging and you're dealing with kids that test you to the limits every single day. And there's, there's frustration and there's, um, I'm sure, a temptation to just throw up your hands and feel like you're not making a difference, but you are. You're making a huge difference. So keep at it. Keep planting those gospel seeds. For some of these kids, they'll never see a Christian in their life outside of you. So remember that. Be encouraged by that. Every single day that you walk into that classroom, know that God is sending you into a spiritual battle. Let me ask God's blessing upon you. Lord Jesus, God, we are thankful for these teachers. God, we're thankful for the calling that you put on their life. And so, Lord, we pray the prayer of Jabez over them. God, that you would bless them. Bless them in their marriages and in their families. Bless them in the classroom. God, bless them with your favor and your mercy. God, bless them with encouragement. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would enlarge their influence, that, that kids and other teachers would look to them for advice. God, that you would give them platforms to speak truth into these kids' lives. God, that you would just encourage them when that influence comes, that, that you are with them. God, we, we pray that your, your presence be with them. Let them feel your presence, Lord, as they walk into these situations that are uncomfortable and hard, where people mistreat them or say negative things about them, Lord. Remind them of your presence and, 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 and help them to be able to, to overcome the negativity that they experience. God, I pray for protection over them. I pray that the schemes of the enemy would, would, would not be accomplished, Lord, that lies would be replaced with truth in their heart. God, that you would protect them from just uh, feeling like they're not making a difference. God, I pray that you would remind them of your calling. God, I pray that you would, you would give them peace in moments of just frustration and stress. God, we pray that you would give them the ability to have grace and truth over these kids that they have to deal with. God, we pray for patience and strength and endurance in their life, God. And we pray, Lord, that you would use them to plant gospel seeds into the hearts of every child and teacher they interact with. Lord, bless them. Use them. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give them another round of applause. You guys can make your way to your seats. We've asked the, the team to sing a song of blessing over you. And uh, let's just sing together as we continue to worship the Lord this morning. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com, or by clicking the link in the description below.